George, growing up, I I don't know about you. What was your favorite uh, cereal growing up? Oh, geez. Uh, I, I had a bunch of them. My mom was always against us having cereals that were sugar first. Really? Yep. Yeah. So we said know. we had to start with Cheerios. Yeah. But then, we, you know, I got to cheat because I could visit my cousin. So mm -hmm. Fruity Pebbles, right. Cocoa Puffs, uh, Captain Crunch with Crunch Berries. Mm, I yeah. had quite a few. Peanut Butter yeah. Captain did, Crunch. Captain I like that. Crunch always ripped the hell out of the top of my it mouth. Did. It, would, it did. The top of your mouth. Yeah. It would shred it. Yeah. Uh, Scott, did you grow up on grape nuts over at your house? <laughs> <laughs> Weedabix. We were Weedabix. big on Weedabix. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, it was all sugar at our house, but it was, yeah. you know, I didn't even really. Dad it, you, kept me away from Fruit Loops. I don't know why. Why? But, yeah. <laughs> Maybe you should have eaten them. Well, yeah, no, it didn't. Look at you. That's right. What about Lucky Charms? Look at me now. Oh no! Never. I never yeah. got into the Lucky Charms, the mushy marshmallows. Oh, I like that. that. No, I tried blueberry once. I almost vomited. <laughs> no, I've never. But the reason I bring it up: Did you hear about Cinnamon Toast Crunch? The, the <laughs> thing that's going, Scott, I know Scott yeah. heard about it. It's yeah. the most vile thing I've read in a while. And if for people out there who don't know, please Google this. the The Twitter thread is amazing. Some guy in California who happens to be the husband of the girl who played Topanga on Boy Meets World. Um, yeah. he, he got in his <laughs> cinnamon toast crunch, found shrimp tails, like shrimp tails. Somebody yeah. just like chewed off the shrimp and threw shrimp tails in. Scott, what else was there? Floss and rat droppings, right? Yeah, 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 it was all in the... And it's all, he has it all photographed and like he contacts General Mills and says, hey, what the hell? And they're like, oh yeah, that's, he, they said that the shrimp tails were just like uh, clumped up sugar. That's all it was. Clumped up sugar. Yeah. Did you read this? I read it, and and it was clearly a, a, whether it happened at the factory or at where he at the shop he bought it in. Yeah, somebody was ticked off. Somebody tore into that bag, and somebody because so you could tell one of them was retaped. Somebody somebody sabotaged. But it if you read sure. it, like some people are like, this has happened before. They're well, notorious was, for this. Well, that was the thing. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Like General Mills, like Mills yeah. is notorious for this. That's what I was mean, like. You yeah. gotta be kidding. It's like me. you want to stay away. Like it, it, these cereals aren't, you know, they aren't bad enough for you. Now you're finding shrimp tails and floss and yeah, rat droppings. Well, the stuff. fact that somebody was just angry enough to, uh, yeah, to, I'll to show do that. them. Yeah. What do they do? Bring in some shrimp and like <laughs> well, have in their thing, pocket where, and well, then gnaw hey, it off. Here's, and, here's the thing you have to you have to wonder like. <laughs> Where do you get the idea for shrimp tails yeah. to go into cinnamon toast? Because crunch? it's pretty gross. Like I, it is, I guess. It, yeah, yeah I, right. yeah. I don't know. Anyway, I, that I, was. I, uh, I, I, I really have much more to say. I mean, it's it's disgusting. Go Google it if you haven't. You'll be blown away. You got to read the whole Twitter feed. It's it's absolutely amazing. Just about what yeah. people are saying back to this guy. And uh, oh yeah, his ex girlfriends. Oh my god. Yeah, she chimed in. Some doctor. Uh, yeah. Some doctor who studies fish. Yeah, yeah. Those yeah. are definitely shrimp tails. Yeah, yeah we can tell. Yeah, that's not sugar. Uh, uh, we have a marine biologist uh, <laughs> yeah. here to confirm. No, the, she just chimed in. Yeah. They didn't go looking. I know, but it's I know. so I just, funny. Just imagine if it was this huge breaking story. Yeah, yeah. we have a marine biologist. Uh, and that's the other thing. That should be in the top three, four news stories on the nightly news, and it wasn't. It wasn't even on the news. No. Well. Well, remember what it used to be like tampering. Remember the Tylenol scare? Oh, yeah, yeah. That was huge. Now, Big granted, that, that ended up in a death, and we're, we're very Many sad deaths. about We're sad about yeah, that. Yeah. But uh, it's not funny. You know, no, it's yeah. not. It would have been funny but, if it was shrimp tails in the Tylenol. Well, yeah, it could have been interesting. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm going to uh, let you introduce this uh, today's guest. We got a great guest, and I'm going to guess we, she has never had sugar cereal. Maybe as a youth. I bet you she doesn't eat sugar cereal now. Well, we, we will, we will that ask be, her that. We'll talk about her the whole hour about that. We will ask her that question. <laughs> um, we are very fortunate and very happy uh, to have uh, this accomplished woman on our show, mm -hmm. um, Liz Farrow. She is a mom. She's a motivational speaker. She's an author of two books. Finishing Finish Line Feeling and Girls with Soul. She is also the founder and CEO of girlswithsoul.org, mm -hmm. which is a uh, very uh, important nonprofit that we'll be talking about today as well. That's girlswithsoul.org. And we are happy to welcome Liz Farrow. Hi, Liz. Hey. Thanks for spending Hi. your morning with us, Liz. Yeah. We'd love it. Thank you for having me. And I did... Uh, grow up on sugar cereal. You did. You did. But you don't eat it now. Cookie crisp. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. What else? And I used to try to dump out the whole box of the um, 
the marshmallows yes, in Lucky Charms because yeah. I wanted, I didn't want the things that looked like cat food. Right, you, you, gross, right? <laughs> you just wanted the marshmallows. I just you didn't wanted like all the... marshmallows. Yeah, yeah no, I'm with you. I did the same thing. Yep. Yeah. And in high school with the shrimp thing, we uh, had a smoking area in yeah. our high school. Yeah, we did too. And just to mess with them because it was disgusting. We caught a bunch of smelt, if you know what smelt, smelt. are. Okay, yep. And uh. the, I was with a couple of guys who would go fishing and they caught hundreds of these little fish that I think smelt, you can like beer batter them or whatever. I don't mm. know. I never ate them, but they were really gross when you cut the heads and the tails off of them. So we thought it would be funny to collect them and then dump them in the smoking area. Cause we called it the cage. Yeah, oh, and so we dumped all of the heads and tails into the cage That's so at funny. night. So that when the smokers went out there in the morning, they'd have to have like fish heads and tails all yeah. over the place. No, that's a good one. Yeah, it was fun. I guess I, I don't know. I'm not going to say I had anything to do with the cinnamon toast crunch, but you never know. You did, didn't you? I love it. The cage. <laughs> There's a devious twinkle in that trend. eye. In the 80s. <laughs> yeah, right. You had the cage. We had the slab. Yeah, we had something called the slab where people at Brighton smoked. And they were known was as it slabbies. Like concrete and people sat on exactly. It? it was just a big concrete slab in the back of the building and they all yep. smoked out there. Yep. And that's where and the they were allowed were. to. Like it was a designated oh, yeah. slab. Yeah. 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 Okay, sure. yeah. The what are you was kidding? Come on, Liz. It's yeah. the 80s. They could have, probably could have <laughs> well, smoked I, in the teacher's lounge if they wanted to. And it was great because then we'd catch, I'd catch, we'd catch some of our girlfriends that quote unquote, never smoked out there. And then we'd be like, well, hey, yeah. Slabby. Yeah. And we just call them Slappies. It was right. funny. <laughs> yeah. Where um, did you go to high school? Brighton. Brighton. Yeah. BHS, Brighton. home of the Barons, but no longer the Barons. No, no. no. That's a that's a topic um, for another day. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I don't think we're the Indians anymore either. I went to a Rondequoit. No, you're oh. the Eagles. Eagles? Yeah. Silly. Yeah. I know. You're the Eagles. <laughs> they changed all my schools. I went to Miami of Ohio, and they're not the Indians anymore either. Everywhere I go, they change it. They yeah, don't want see? to be associated with me. <laughs> You're a bad seed with your smelt. So I, I could have made this. I could have made this one of the longest introductions. Because, you could have. Well, I know. When you look at the awards, the amount of marathons, triathlons. Yes. Fit, wait, not not five. 50k 50 ultras right which i've never heard of before no so i mean <laughs> Dude, I, I, it's classic underachiever so exactly <laughs> so liz we're gonna get to all that but i'd love to start just with 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 what's happened in the last year where we are right in this moment it's covid it's vaccines um yeah. how are like are you still running your own personal marathons like what are you doing right now like with the organization any new books like how have you been keeping busy right now with what everything that's going on wow um well all of the above i've been trying to stay active as possible um sure. the marathons actually um i ran a full marathon in all 50 states for girls with soul and i did that in two and a half years so wow. when that was finished, I thought, now I have to do the continents. And my husband's making fun of me because it's like, well, when that's done, are you going to like go to Mars or what's mm -hmm. happening? So, you know, he better not tempt me because <laughs> it's going to be the next. Yeah, yeah. call but, Elon so right Musk. Now, I love it. Sitting here right now, I shouldn't even be here. I'm supposed to be in Antarctica doing um, the what? Antarctica. Yeah, I read America. that. Yeah. She's supposed to be in Antarctica. They canceled right. that, yep. so I'm doing it next year. They canceled it because of COVID. But um, once I complete that, I'll only have South America and Australia left, and I'll have all seven continents finished. God, that's impressive. So that's what I'm working on right now in terms of the marathons for Girls of Soul. And I uh, have to be kind of, since I run the organization by myself, and it's a really small organization, um, I have to be creative with the fundraising. So that's kind of where this all took off with um Running the Great Wall of China was a popular one when I did that. And oh my gosh. Um, I'm just running all over the place. So that's how I do that part of it. And actually, programs are just now starting to get back into full swing. And I'm working with kids um, in high schools, middle schools, and a residential treatment center right now. Um, and also a brand new empowerment center for girls that's opening in downtown Cleveland. So I'm going to be working Downtown there. Cleveland. Okay. Yeah. I'm so excited about it. Um, so that's kind of that. And the other thing that's super new is um, I have an additional book that's coming out in yeah. May. Um, the first two that you had introduced, George, yeah. were, um, you know, they're they're really associated with the organization. Yes. Um, and they're both nonfiction. This is my first go at a, a work of fiction. So it's called Chameleon Girl, and it has really nothing to do with Girls with Soul. Yeah. So it's, um, it's, it's exciting because I've never tried to make 
a story up before I've just told stories yep. as they happened in the past. And the cool thing about that book is yep. she's going to be doing a book signing here in Rochester, New York at Radio Social, I think on, what, is it June 2nd? Uh, yes, it is. I think yes. it is June 2nd. And yep. uh, we'll, we'll talk more about that at the end. We'll plug it again before we get out of here. But um, that's exciting. So uh, people in Rochester, if you know you want to come meet Liz and you know get your book signed, say hello, tell her that she needs to do better in life because she's an underachiever. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free. You know, but, it's, it's really funny that you say yell that. At her for making her, yell at her I for making me bad. feel inferior. Yeah. <laughs> I squished it all in at, at the uh, later stage in life. I was always told I was uh, an underachiever and I couldn't major in fun in college and what? I'd never get into college. And oh my gosh, the whole works. I was, I was doomed to be living under a bridge someplace. Really? <laughs> Yes. And this I was truly from... was. I'm, I'm laughing about it, but it's what teachers, uh, I was kicked out of the Girl Scouts. I was kicked out of everything I've ever been in. And even my own family told me all of these things. So yeah. nobody thought I would ever achieve anything. I think that's why I got so crazy about it. Like, you know, I'll yeah. prove you wrong. Yeah, let's get into that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would love to get into that. Yeah. Um, if you don't mind, could we start like like way back in the beginning. I know you were born and raised in Rochester. Mm -hmm. um, I was. Yep. And, and you yeah, went through. To and lose me. They moved to Cleveland when I was in college. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> like, damn it. She found us. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, um, I should have laid off the caffeine this morning. No, it's, okay. no, it's quite all right. We no, we love it. We yeah. love it. Um, and uh, I'll let you take the story from here, but I know you were born in Rochester and you went through what was it, three or four foster homes before finally being adopted. And then kind yeah, of, four. yep, four. So kind of take it from there. Give us a little background on that. Uh, well, my parents um, uh, found me at Catholic Charities. So they told me I was a Catholic Charities baby and I was in four foster homes. Um, I don't know a lot, but what I was told was there was abuse in the homes and that's why I was moved around so much. Okay. Um, but I was adopted at about two and a half years old. And my parents were really cool um, in terms of trying to make up for some of my trust issues and, you know, the stuff that I came into the house with. Sure. Um, but uh, and, and they did a great job with it for a while. Unfortunately, my next door neighbor, who is not alive anymore, so I can't slander his name and I won't say his name, but um, started sexually abusing me when I was eight. eight. And that went on. For, yeah. For about a year-ish. And the thing that was weird about that, too, was um, I had this assignment pad. And you could tell that I grew up in the 80s. But um, I left it at home all the time because it was kind of like my special place that I would write stuff down that was happening to me. You know, okay. like Psych 101, kids have to draw pictures or get mm -hmm. it out someplace. For sure. Usually in, in those ways. So I would just write stuff down. And back then, we didn't have, you know... Cinemax or Skinemax or Spectre Vision or any of that stuff that, you know, is so easily um, accessible now to kids, porn and everything else. But we didn't have any of that stuff. So the things that I was writing in this assignment pad, there is no way how I would know these things unless they really happened. Mm -hmm. of course. But my mom would root through my stuff while I was at school. And I told you about a minute ago how I was always in trouble. I mean, the first day of kindergarten, I punched a kid in the face. Um... I mean, I've cracked kids' heads open at recess, mm. uh, all kinds of crazy stuff that I, I just had energy that would go into bad places because it would well, explode. And yeah. clearly there's a reason for that, though. I mean, there was. Come on. But here's the thing. Nobody knew what the reason was, right. because when I got home, the assignment pad that I had had Garfield and Pookie on the front of it. The one that I would leave in my drawer because yep. I was obsessed with Pookie for some reason. I just loved him. Mm -hmm. Do you remember who Pookie is? No. I, no? I, I remember Nermal. There was Garfield, Nermal. Nermal was the other cat that came into the house, right? right? And they Pookie Garfield would, hated Nermal. Pookie was the bear that he liked? Well, yeah. Yes. Okay. Got it. Got it. No, I was a Garfield person. <laughs> he okay, was Garfield's teddy bear. And Garfield loved Pookie. That's and right. Garfield hated everyone. Right. So he would take 
Sarah Pookie and put them in this little box with a blue blankie. And it was like yeah. a whole thing. I just loved it. Um, I had a blue blankie, which my parents left in Yugoslavia and said, oh, you lost it. And like, what? And I had slime. My mom hated it. And one day I came home from school. Where's my slime? You lost it. Every time they didn't like something, yeah. they would say I lost right. it and it would just disappear. <laughs> yeah. But that's neither here nor there. When I walked in the house from school, my mom was visibly angry with me and I could see it. And didn't phase me because I always was in trouble, but she pulled out Garfield and Pookie and I was like, oh, that's, you know, shit's going to hit the fan now because mm. I didn't want anyone to know. And for good reason, because when my mom did that, she asked me if it was true. So she was basically saying that I made it up. And then she said, mm. why did you write it down? Was it that important to you that you felt you had to write it down? which ooh, even as a nine-year-old, that was like, whoa, that's harsh. Um, and then the third thing was, we're not going to tell anyone because your oh, dad God. will go to jail. He'll go next door and kill the guy. And it'll be your fault that your dad's in jail. And she literally, I'm not exaggerating, walked out of the room and we never spoke of it again. Wow. So I had to deal with all of that again. Like I already had my issues and I've never worried too much about those from the adoption and all of that stuff. But then when you put that on top of it, I really had some stuff, yeah. um, baggage that I had to deal with as a kid. And so I think, um, saying it, you know, I got, I, I had all these things and they're understandable in terms of issues. They were to me and maybe, maybe to my mom, I don't know. She pretended it didn't happen. Um, but nobody knew why. So I was just kind of labeled the bad kid or the kid that needed Ritalin or whatever, oh, you know, like, geez. yeah. yeah. So <laughs> But I, I want to ask some questions That's kind of where I, you know, in all my yeah. life with like stuff that I went through up and down, like even in my twenties, I still was dealing with a lot of, well, I want to, I want to get into that one quick thing though. You know, yeah. they say when you're, when you're young, your first memories sometimes are like, some people remember when they were three years old, some people, do you remember like when you got adopted? I mean, you were two and a half. Do you like, what, what was your first, like, or did you use your first memory with you already being there with your adoptive parents? My first memory is being there already, but okay. I remember two things super clearly. I don't remember the foster care at right. all. Um, uh, but I do remember that I used to go into my brother's rooms and sort through their things because oh. I wanted to take all the good shit with me when I got booted out. <laughs> So I would take their stuff and hide it in my pillowcase. And I'm like, this shit's going with me when I go. Cause yeah. I always just assumed I was going. And right. I do remember that. And I do remember packing a suitcase. I had this 1970s Paisley electric blue and pink suitcase. And I love that freaking thing. It was made out of cardboard. It wasn't even like a real suitcase. It was little, it was four children. And I remember packing it and running away in the night when I was like, I'm little. I mean, I was really little. My mom was like, she's running away. My dad's like, it's dark out. Where the hell is she going to go? Mm -hmm. She'll be afraid. And I didn't, I just kept going. Right. <laughs> I, I believe ya. it. I, <laughs> See ya. So the, your mom wants it kept quiet. So after this happens, it clearly is kept quiet for a while and we can get to the point of, or maybe it's been kept quiet forever until you start writing about it. But so the, the trouble continued in school. Like I was just saying to keep that pent up and then, you know, you know, your mom knows. So there's stress probably cause you can't tell your father. Right. And then, so, so what kind of happened after that? You had that encounter with your mom and then <laughs> parties, boys and booze. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and All athletics. Right. The only thing that kept me halfway normal was being on swim team and track and all the stuff. And that which I did sport physically. was it swimming? Like, what was the sport? Like, what was that energy oh, that you felt? So it was swimming and swimming. You're like, Hey, I feel good doing this. And that kind of, Oh my God. It okay. was the only time I felt halfway normal, but also clean. Like there's something about the chlorine that just made me feel like I was okay. Cause That's I interesting. felt so gross. Yeah, for, yeah. Like I blamed everything on myself well, and felt dirty and ugly and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, being told that you can't tell anyone, it just makes it, you know, solidifies that it was your fault. So just, um, you know, and I think there's something very rhythmic and methodical about the stroke and the water slishing through your ears. And I don't know, some people would call it boring, but for whatever reason, the camaraderie and goofing around with my friends on the team, it just was like the only time I felt truly whole and healthy. Yeah. So did you, did you learn being on that team, how to 
get on with others. There wasn't any, you know, like, because you mentioned how, you you know, kindergarten, you punch somebody right in the face, you got started, right? So how, how did that work with being on a team? I'm very curious. Um, I don't, I wouldn't say I was the best team member, but okay. I was a good friend. Like people thought I was funny. The kids thought it was hilarious. Because Why weren't I was you the best team member though? Like what was going on? About anything. What? Why weren't you the best team member though? What was going on there? I think I just, it was, um, when you, I think I was a good team member in the fact that, um, let's see, put it this way. I wouldn't be a good team member in other team sports because okay. you have to work together with others when you're performing. Okay. But when you're on a swim team or a running team, you are part of a team, but every time you do something, Solo it's individual. individual contribution, got it. So the individual contribution, being able to use my explosiveness in maybe, you know, the workouts or the um, performance in a, in a meet um, ended up being okay. But so I, I meant in that way, I don't think I do well with, with, I didn't in the past, I didn't do well with team members because mm -hmm. if I got mad, I didn't know at that time I've, I've ridden the dragon a long time now. And so I've learned how to, how to do it. But, um, when I got mad, I couldn't hold it back. I was either zero or 150 on the anger scale. Mm. <laughs> there is no in between. That's not good. So that's not, you don't do well on a team like that. No, you don't. That, that isn't good. Plus, I was always talking and always had energy and always crazy. And the coach would go nuts. He was always yelling at me, breaking kickboards over the starting oh, block, telling me to be quiet. Like I was just you know, disruptive. <laughs> disruptive. <laughs> So not a good team thing, you know, it's yeah. just, you, these are not qualities that at now, you know, as first of all, a mother, a person who works with children, someone who, you know, has coached or seen coaches with my own kids on, on various teams. Those are horrible qualities. <laughs> no, the worst. Well, no, they are. I mean, yeah. I mean, you, I <laughs> get it. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, you didn't want that. I don't that. blame them one bit. Right, you didn't but want did that person my, on your I team. I had my issues. Some yeah. people knew how to deal with me and some didn't. Most just didn't want, you know, adults didn't want me around. Right. But I what, had no filter. No, you know, fuck it. If I wanted to say it, I yep. was going to say it. And I didn't care who was there or who heard it. And you still have Not no filter, fun. right? Uh, still no filter, good, good. but I used my powers for good instead of evil. That's yes. right. Yeah. So my question, I mean, you grew up the exact same time I did. I, you know, yep. we're the same age and, um, I'll rub I, it in. I, well, I, well, yeah, I know you're very old, yeah, very um, old. but Liz and I were 52 years old yeah. and we look amazing. Um, but my question is like growing up in my household, you know, if my mom heard somebody was going to see a therapist or seeing a, you know, a shrink, you know, only crazy people do that. And we don't do that. Only crazy people do that. So I, I went in the early to mid 2000s. I saw a therapist for the first time. Did you eventually go to see a therapist or did running and swimming become your therapy? It was my therapy, but I was forced to see my first therapist mm -hmm. actually. Um, and yes, crazy people only saw them in my house, but on yep. top of it, my mom grew up during world war II Germany. So oh, she's yeah. like old school European, yeah. hardcore German, mm -hmm. you sweep stuff under the rug and you don't, yeah. there, there's no such thing as telling other people your, your business, your right. problems, yeah. no such thing. But my first one, I was forced and that was in my twenties because 20s. I tried to kill myself and they made me see one. Okay. So, and what was that? College, they forced me in college. Oh my God. Oh, blast from my past. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I was forced every time. <laughs> but was that first time? Was it, was it a successful meeting with that therapist or did you have to go on to another or did, was it now? I didn't think they were successful. The, the first guy was just, I, again, I, I had some issues with like an overdose and okay. they forced me to talk to this guy who was like, the polar opposite of me and just like zero energy. I don't know what his deal was. He needed to have a little bit more caffeine in his <laughs> repertoire, but, um, I just, I didn't relate to him at all. He was some stodgy old dude. And the thing that sucked about that was the guy who abused me was kind of an old dude. Like I looked at him as a, a grandfather figure. So it just wasn't a good match. And I was only there yeah. because I was being forced. So okay. I had to go. Um, second one was similar, except he wasn't old. He was young and it was weird. Cause he, I think he was projecting on me. He, I ended up having a court case, um, years later when I had my son and even though I wasn't supposed to, I, 
I was, I had access to my, um, uh, to the doctor, what the doctor wrote about me when I, when oh, I the first medical saw records, it. you got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, because of that court case. And he wrote all kinds of crazy stuff, like how I was coquettish and I was trying to seduce him and all that. I'm like, what, what was he talking about? Sounds like he had so the I'm issue. Like, oh, I got, I got that sounds that way. Yeah. <laughs> coquettish. Yeah. yeah. Sound, so sound, it just, but then coke. I did have one good therapist. I had a really bad one in between that. It was a woman and she told me horrible things too. And that men just like to have their egos and their dicks stroked. And I'm like, who are these yeah. people? Like, yeah. why are they so awful to me? And then the third one um, was awesome. She was amazing. And I loved yeah. her. And I went to her until she moved away to Europe to do some kind of sabbatical or something. I don't even know. So I still use her one piece of advice today and I use it with the girls. And other than that, it's all been the running and swimming and bike. So, all right. So you're getting all this, this reinforcement, this energy, I won't say it's positive, but it was countering, let's say it was energy that was countering what was going on within you. Um, Yeah. And at that time, that's all that mattered, right? Right. Oh no, of course. Of course. (laughs) Absolutely. You have to, you had to carve out. and, And I find this a lot. It's like some people, assume other personalities. Some people carve out other worlds. Um, and, and it sounds like here, like you just carved out another, a, a place for yourself. And you're like, the, my place is here in fitness and the, whatever, whatever energy or high you were getting off, it was helping counter all the, um, all these awful things that, that had happened to you and that affected your behavior as you were growing up. So what, you know, and, and not to use this as a dramatic point, but was there, <laughs> Was there a tipping point for you yeah. when you were like, okay, I'm doing all this fitness. And mm-hmm. I had like, cause to be honest, if, if I went through what you went through and I couldn't address the per, the, pers- the person directly and, and, and I had parents that weren't very supportive, I'd have a tough time getting across that bridge to like, how do I turn this into something that I can share with others and realize that by only by taking care of others, do I truly take care of myself? Like, what was that tipping point for you? Uh, probably when I was in my late twenties. Um, okay. uh, because at that point of my life, again, my mom, we had never spoken it, of it again, but my, I figured my mom must have said something to my dad. You know, you just figure she must've told him when they got old yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but I, I tried uh, to kill myself when I was 25. And when I, after they pumped my stomach in the hospital and I came home, my dad sat me down at the dining room table. That was where we had all our important discussions in his, in their mm, house. Yep. And my mom was sitting there too. And he's just flat out said, seriously, like, what is going on with you? I don't understand what's wrong. And I was like, mm, probably has something to do with Mr. So-and-so. And he's like, looked at me like, truly did not quizzically he had no idea what was what i was talking about and so i told him and i thought a vein was going to pop out of his head he was so mad and then my mom got upset that i told him and it was this whole thing so that sort of was the catalyst to okay i need to you know stop living in the past and you know i found all of these great ways to to get better um yep And then I had my son just under 30. I was 29 when I had him and he pretty much changed my life in terms of, okay, now I have to do what's right for somebody else. And it takes the focus off of me now. And that was combined with the fact that I wasn't going to live in the past anymore. I was only going to move forward. I would say those two things were the tipping point to why am I not taking all of these things? I'm now in a place in my life where I'm able to do it. I'm quote unquote healed. I mean, you're never a hundred percent, I guess. No, but nobody as is. As good but... as I'm ever going to be where I can speak of it. I can help other people. Yeah. I don't feel like I can't even help myself. Now I can help others. Why am I not putting something together that could get girls out of a dark place much faster than 25 years old yeah. or 30 years yeah, old? That's right. You know? So that's where Girls with Soul came from. And I'm like, I'm going to try it. And if it fizzles away and I only have one kid, then I still did something cool. And it has not fizzled away. And it's 12 years later. Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> and and when when I think back on, you know, that what that discussion with your parents must have been like, that must have caused a little bit of a rift with mom and dad. Because I know if, if my partner had kept something like yeah. that secret from me. <laughs> 
for, mm. oh my God, you know, yeah. since, you know, something happened to my child at eight years old, especially that. And then, you know, uh, you know, I, I definitely am going to have a problem with that. Yeah. My, my dad said, I hope you know that if I would have known, I would have helped you. And then of course my mom was yeah. like, Oh, I'm the bad guy. And like, it just yeah. became a rift between them. Well, then it and then about my dad them, right? kind of <laughs> it's like, what happened? Yeah. It's almost like then it always has to be, a you know, certain people have behaviors where everything is about them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So even that day, you know, when my father finds out what happened to me, it still was about my mom. <laughs> it's the yep. way it is. No, I know. I know. Um, so, and, and one other question that might be a bit personal, so don't feel you have to answer it in depth, but I'm just curious. It's okay. like when, when, no, when you, in a, you know, I think it's good for listeners to hear little bits of this at least. And I'm sure you do this when, when you coach people, it's like when you go through something like this, how do you get to that point where you trust somebody enough where you actually, you know, you want to have a child, you want, you know, you, you find somebody you want to be partnered with, you want to have a child, like yeah. how, how do you get there? Yeah. It's, it, it. Oh my gosh. You know, and that I know you did some therapy, time. but it sounds like you really, in a sense, it's not a cure, but you cured in quotes yourself in a way. Yeah. Well, it took a lot of turning and burning. That's for sure. I mean, I, yeah. I would date people. If you want to call it dating, whatever the kids are calling it these, they call it talking. They're just talking. I'm like, really, yeah. you needed that box of condoms in your front seat. Cause you're talking. I'm confused. <laughs> so like my son would be like, Oh no, man, I'm just talking to her. Mm, okay. Right. Um, so I would do a lot of talking, but, um, and then just get rid of them immediately. Cause I wanted to leave everybody before they left me. So there was no trust for many years and that included my twenties, but I got to say, um, I'm a pretty impetuous, wacky person, I guess. So I just was, you know, when I, when I make up my mind and it's probably why I'm an endurance athlete, if I make up my mind that I'm going to do a 50 K I'm not going to stop unless my legs are broken. And, and even so I still might not stop until I finish what I said I was going to do. So when I decided you know, I had some issues with bulimia in the past. I actually quit that. I was like, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm okay. a healthy person. Like I'm just told myself I'm not going to do it. And I didn't, I didn't do it anymore. I told myself I'm going to be a good mom. And I always wanted to be a mom. And I think it was because I, you know, had my own issues and I didn't, yeah. I was adopted and all of that stuff. So I thought, well, you know, I'm going to have my own kid and it's going to be a good thing. I'm going to do right. any of the things my mom did to me. So I and wouldn't that's say that healing I in and of itself. trusted my first husband, but okay. I trusted him enough to have a baby with, but we met and we got married um, two and a half weeks later in Vegas. Oh, wow. So, you did the Vegas. So thing. we didn't, I wouldn't say that I was like all that great in terms of like getting, you know, to know the person. But when I decided, okay, I'm going to have one before I'm 30, a baby that is not a husband. Um, yeah. He seemed nice. <laughs> <laughs> he yeah. thought going to Vegas would be a great idea as well. So I told my parents I was going to a wedding in Vegas and I just forgot to tell them that it was my wedding. Right. <laughs> so anyway, I think honestly, it's, it sounds terrible. It's um, no. it, but the way I feel healed and the way I do things is I, totally have to get to the point where I go through all of the shit and okay. all the bad things. And then once I've totally exhausted all of that, I make up my mind. I'm not doing that anymore. And I just, and I don't, and it's done. It's, wow. it's, that sounds shitty or whatever, but no, no, I don't know. I, I've always been like that. Like I'm that person. And this is actually, it can be a bad quality too. If I'm done with you, I'm done with you. And I'll just never talk to you. Oh, again. That's a great so, quality. It is. No, I agree. Don't you, George? Like if you're done with somebody bye. you know, if, if they cross you or burn you, I, I totally agree. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, they'll have a point to where I'll allow it or I'll give them a chance to fix right. it. And I'm not angry anymore, but I'm done. But right. you're done. And I will and, cut you off at your knees and I am literally done. I will not right. go back. Right. And, and, and that goes back to do, you know, uh, yes, because you don't want to you know, you have so much time in life and how, how do you want to spend your time? Your the, the quality time, uh, a very dear friend of mine who passed away, uh, two years ago, 
always say like, it's all about the quality time you have remaining and how do you want to spend that time and with who? So yes, I agree with both of you. Like when, once you, like yeah. we're too old for this, like once this happens, it's like, yeah. right. it's like if there, even a small betrayal, it's like, it's, I don't have to cut you off, but but my friendship with you is going to change fundamentally. Yeah. The fundamentals of a friendship have now changed. So therefore, yes, I can wish you a happy birthday. I can do all these wonderful things, but uh, the, the, the camaraderie, the, what we had there probably isn't there anymore. And, and mm. it's, and it's not that there's never a way back, but you just, it, you have to make that conscious choice, like quality time remaining, how and who do I want to spend it with? But I think those like cut it off at the knees type of yep. mentality. Some people just don't have it, no. you know, like they'll still keep, they won't even do the arm's length. They'll keep letting the person in. Right. And I think that's also very close to behaviors. So yeah. you're going to keep playing, finding reasons why, oh, well, it's a, it's a celebration. I'm just going to do it this one more time or it's whatever. I had to make the conscious choice. Like I'm not going to live that way anymore. Absolutely. And I just didn't do it anymore. So I think that uh, mindset is very similar in both um, arenas. Both no, I, and, and I love what you said about being an endurance athlete. You're going to finish what you say you're going to do. And and even beyond finishing, you're going to do what you say you're going to do. And I think that was probably the hugest lesson my dad ever yeah. taught me. And I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I feel like it's not, I mean, I'm 52, but yeah. People just aren't like that anymore. <laughs> They'll say they're going to do something, and if yeah. they don't do it, who cares? Or, or yeah, and or it's always just, a, or it's just, yeah, I, I, I could maybe help out with it. There's the maybes. Yeah, yeah. maybe I could do that, or maybe there's yeah. no definition. Or they say they're going to, and then they don't, and you're like, what? Why did you say it? Or why did you seek me out, ask me to help, and then not show up? I don't get it. Yeah, I the didn't ghosting, seek you right? Out. The ghosting. Yeah. The kids. Yeah. The kids love to call I mean, it ghosting. There's an actual term for it. <laughs> So that, it makes it okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Right. I yeah. Now that there's a term for it, it. Yeah. Now that there's a term for it, it makes it okay. Which it, which it isn't. I mean, you see that now, uh, you see that in relationships, you see that in, in dating, uh, you see it on, you see it in job interviews. You could interview for well, jobs and they ghost you. You see it so often that it's actually surprising when somebody isn't that way. And I think that's kind of a bummer. <laughs> You know, no, you're like, really? Uh, oh my gosh, it should be the other way around. You should be surprised when someone does ghost you or say, or just doesn't follow through. Right. Anyway, it's just Do how, you, I guess it's something my dad instilled in me that actually, you know, worked. <laughs> that's a good life. thing yep. for him. And so how do and then, so are you clearly you leverage this with, uh, through your organization and coaching, like, I'd love to hear more what you do with the young women and, and, yeah. and, and how that kind of got started. Um, and, and where it is today, because I'm, I'm a very big superhero fan and we'll get into that. I'll get into that with you in a little bit because I did, you know, that the girls with soul book that there was something around the building and construction that kind of resonated with me. So I want to talk to you about oh, that, cool. but, but I'd Yay. love to hear, um, I just love to hear like, how did you just found this and just get it started? Um, well, it was the height of the recession. So, you know, it was oh, completely normal to try to open a brand <laughs> Perfect. nonprofit. Perfect. Your timing is <laughs> 2009, excellent. 2009, everybody's shutting their doors and here's crazy me. Oh, I'm going to start a new thing. Um, but again, I was called crazy my whole life. It didn't bother me at all. So, um, well, I, our mission, I mean, I really, honestly, the first thing I thought um, was, I, you know, obviously researched if anyone was doing something like this and there wasn't anything that included the fitness component, it was always, um, empowerment and talking and circle, you know, conversations, guided conversations, but no, um, female empowerment through movement. Um, and so I thought, well, this is what I'm going to do. So I decided our mission was going to be to use fitness and wellness programs and like projects and guided sure. conversations to empower the girls um, in mind, body, and soul um, who have experienced abuse of any kind or who are at risk. And um, I set out a net and asked a bunch of people who I knew if they wanted to be on my board, because you can't have a nonprofit 501c3 without a board. Um, and some of my friends were like, you've mentioned this. I'm one of those people, if I say it, I've been thinking about it for a long time, and then boom, all of a sudden it's done. Right. And it kind of freaks people out because they're like, what? I didn't know you really wanted to do this. But they were like, oh, you were serious? I'm like, yeah, I'm serious. So we started selling T-shirts. I had an event to raise some money. And then it was kind of like, you know, the old school movies with the raincoat. And the guy <laughs> would have the watches down at the dock. <laughs> and be like, want to buy a watch? Well, I was like, Psst. 
you want programs? Yeah. I know you want programs. Yeah. I got programs. So I started going to places where social workers would get, you know, accreditation and um, they could renew their CCUs and stuff like that. And sure. um, just started telling people about it and reaching out to schools. And before you knew it, I had one or two locations and I would bring the programs to the girls directly where they are because I found out very, um, I think I was very naive. I was very involved in the fitness world in terms of being um, a group exercise instructor and, yeah. um, you know, in running clubs and all kinds of stuff over the years, a triathlete. So I thought, oh, you know, I have all these ins with gyms. This is going to be great. Well, no, it's really not because the kids don't have any, first of all, they don't know what Girls of Soul is. They're not going to make their way to a building that they've never been to. And then how are they going to get there if mm -hmm. they're in inner city and, right. you know, you've got a suburban gym. So I'm like, oh my gosh, what is wrong with me? I have to, it's like meals on wheels. Now I got to take the programs to them. And that's how it just organically awesome. evolved. It was pretty cool. Like even the first group of girls I worked with, one uh, was a foster care child who was wearing Heelys. Do you remember what Heelys mm -hmm. are? Those shoes? Yep. So she had Heelys that were a hand-me-down from a uh, foster brother and she took the wheels out of them and those were her shoes oh. and it was the only shoe she had. And I was like, oh my God, hon, no, you're going to get hurt. This is dangerous to be trying to run around. I mean, think of the soul in that shoe. Yeah. It's like so unforgiving. So I, I was like, I'm going to get you shoes. And it just stemmed from there. Well, now again, I was naive. You think everybody has a sports bra, knows how to use a sports bra, has proper yep. shoes that they're not going to get hurt. No, they didn't. So that became part of the programming too. I raise money. They get free running shoes, free sports bra. They'll get clothing because they don't have these things. So we just started bringing them to them. That's great. So it, it's with pretty these cool to see them change too. Like that, that part of it's the best part. Yeah. So with these programs, you're, you're bringing, you're, bringing them coping mechanisms, correct? Is that, it's yep, part of it's, it? Yeah, it's basically tools and coping mechanisms. So what is it about, and I, besides the obvious, like what is it about like exercise that makes people feel accomplished? What is it? I think it's really just boils down to being able to do something that you didn't think you could do. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden the impossible is possible. Like if one kid is struggling to run two laps and all of a sudden she can do a, you know, 5k or I can do five push-ups versus falling on my face trying to do one that's a physical accomplishment that only you can achieve yep. no one can do it for you and and, and, and have you, you seen that anywhere. have you seen I'm that sorry? with girls have you seen that oh, with girls yeah. who started off maybe doing a lap around the track and all of a sudden they're doing five and ten k's yeah yeah um even, even that or better than that coming into the room with the worst attitudes mm -hmm. ever like just that stink eye. I'm not doing shit today. This sucks, you know, just attitude. And within 15 minutes of running around or we'll play a fitness game, all of a sudden they're all laughing. They're being kids. It's like the, the shift in the, in their demeanor is, I mean, you can see it. A light switch goes on behind their eyes. I That's mean, great. that to me is like, um, okay. But if they had just sat down on the floor and we started talking, that light switch wasn't going to go on. Right. They weren't going to start laughing. You have to actually move your body and get that blood flowing and all that good stuff juiced up in your brain, the, the healthy drugs in your brain. Yes. You know, it's it, there is nothing like it. You can try, but there isn't. Nope. I agree I, completely. And, and it's that I, I like that focus more on, I accomplish this and this personal best. Cause the one thing, you know, I am not a big sports guy. I'm not. I'm, I, I like to hike. I like to run. I like to do things. And, and yeah, I'm a team player at work, but the team sport thing, I always feel it's so emphasis, so much emphasis on who won, who lost, why did they win? The oh, best. they're brilliant. Who was the best? And then who yeah. lost and why did they lose? What a bunch of losers, as opposed to yeah. you could have a lose, you could be on a losing team, but have your own personal best. And that should yeah. make you feel great. Don't let the loss of the team overcome that. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing with, with fitness yep. in general, it is about hitting. I agree with you. It's about hitting your personal best. You know, after I had COVID, I felt good when I can do four miles again. Like for me, yeah, I was like, and there's something I, really empowering yeah, about that. Exactly. Cause you're like, Oh my God, I have to start over again. You know, That's like right. I had a base level of fitness and 
it's a little daunting to think, okay, now I got to start from scratch, but you did yeah, and you made it. And I made it. And that made me seem like, you know, God forbid tomorrow I get a call from my financial advisor or whatever. And it's like, oh, guess what? You're at zero. Okay. Well, (laughs) it's going to (laughs) suck. And, uh, you know, you in your mind, no, you can start over and do different things. And, uh, yeah. And, and, but I can start over. Right. And that's why people are like, well, if you lost it all, what would you do? And I'm like, I would just start all over, start tomorrow. I could go out and sell used cars. I could go grab a job at Amazon. I could do both at the same time. And you just, you, you find a way to, to, to get back. So I I love that about what you, about, um, what you do, how you do that, um, with the, with the young women and, and, and kind of give them that. And I know you've done a lot of motivational speaking as well, um, yes. around that. And, um, I, I do want to talk a little more about the, about, about the, the girl power and girls with soul and the mm-hmm. superhero, because just, just to give you a quick background, the superhero thing for me, when I build teams, I do it around that super, I do it around, but I do it literally around the superhero where I'll say like, Every, like an executive team, you, you listen, teams should be diverse, no question about it. And superhero teams like the Avengers, for example, they're pretty diverse. You know, you've got all different, you've, you've gods and monsters and regular guys and women and technologists and what have you. But to me, it's like when I would build teams, I would say like, hey, every team needs an Iron Man. You need that techie, smart, kind of smarmy guy. Every team needs a Captain America, like, oh, they're too good to be true, but they know how to push through and, and, and pull the team together in a crisis. Like me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Like you, (laughs) um, everybody needs a Hulk. You need that strength. Everybody needs a black widow. That's got that, you know, that's got that guile and, and, and strength and, and ingenuity to, to get through, get out of difficult, difficult situations. So it's like when I read, when I was reading through the book, Girls with Soul, it's like finding your superpower. It's like, yeah, it's not only finding it, it's like, it's finding it. And then where do you utilize it and how you can use that to lead great teams going forward. So I'd love to hear more about that and where that just that girl power and that superhero, you know, theme came up. Uh, Well, we were working on um, different things and programs with the kids. And uh, I think it just sort of, started as an acronym for power and then we branched off from that acronym into rock so power stands for perseverance optimism wisdom energy and resilience and those are all things that you can get through fitness um, and use in life as well and like you said having all that you know like the avenger team you want to be able to um, surround yourself with positive people that you know are going to help bring you up in the places that you may not be as good at as they are. So, um, that's where the perseverance and the optimism and all the, all that stuff came from. And then rock came from, um, resilience, optimism, courage, and killing stereotypes. And I think it's really important for the girls to focus on all of those things and killing stereotypes can be ones that are put on you by other people, whether it's because they're in residential or because they're black or because they're Puerto Rican or gay or whatever the stereotype is, um, that they don't have to, um, be changed in any way or look at themselves differently in any way that they are actually can use that as a power, but also the ones that they put on themselves. Cause a lot of times they think bad things about themselves and that's obviously, um, going to hurt. That's going to be their kryptonite right there. So, um, it just stemmed from there that, that these were very powerful things and, that they could use them as, I mean, in a way I I was doing speeches where I would talk about fitness as a superpower, because if you think about it, it can change so many things and it it does have a lot of power um, over health and everything. Oh, your mental well-being, uh, the endorphins you get. I mean, you can take a bad mood. You can change your mood just by going for a run. Yep. For sure. And that's part of the energy you know, the energy that you get from it. And, just bringing people together too, like how sports does, like whether or not you're a sports fan or you're on a team, that camaraderie, there's nothing like it. So it's just, it can do a lot of things that if you think about it, it's its own superpower. So I think that's where it all really jumped off from. And then my publisher, when we were coming up with the title for the book, he sent me <laughs> the 
the pictures, uh, the cartoon of me um, as a superhero that he had an artist draw and was like, well, what do you think of this? And I was like, oh my gosh. So now we use that in programs yeah. and the kids do, um, they cut the, the picture out of me with the cape or whatever, capes are optional. Um, that, and then they do a, an exercise where they, they say what, if they could change the world in any way, what they would do. To, and, and I love, you know, some of them are like, I would make sure mental illness was addressed or, I mean, some of the things they come up with, I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh, you know, like. They're very aware. Know, they know what's going on. They do. And it's kind of cool to see. I like, I like to give because the, the whole point of being a superhero is to share your powers with the world. Right. And right. so, and then teach them how to be powerful and then share theirs. And then it just is a ripple effect from there. And so when I hear what the kids would do and then they like the picture and they're like, is this you? Oh my God. And I'm like, yeah, I don't have abs like that. That was an artist rendering of my abs. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it just all comes together that they're just proud of girls of soul. You know, they take ownership of it and they're thinking, you know, if Liz can do it, I can do it. And you know, they become their own superheroes. You, I really, this is the big point of the superhero too, yeah. is they need to know it all boils down to, they need to know. And that's what the turning point was for me. I can save myself. Yeah. I don't yeah. need somebody else to save me. And I think that's the most important thing, especially if you're an inner city kid who is looking for attention in the wrong places and you end up pregnant and, you know, you're just behind the eight ball even further now than you were before. And if I could get them to where maybe they don't need that affirmation from other people because they're saving themselves they're going to be a lot further along and more powerful. I could see, I could see young boys reading this as well. I know it's, totally. and, and, and I know there might be a stigma about it. I, strictly for girls. I'll tell you, I know it spoke to me. Yeah. I mean, say what you will, but you said the, the foundation, the building of the house. Yeah. Spoke to you. Yes. I, I love it. Well, you got to have a yes. strong foundation or you're well, screwed. It's, the reason why, <laughs> and listen, there's no ego attached to this at all, Liz, but the reason why it spoke to me, it's because it's, it's a lot of the stuff that I've preached since starting my career, you know, since starting That's my career awesome. after, after school, it's like, and building, you know, and, and I've built a lot of great teams. Um, the first few teams I built, you know, you, you learn from that and then you start doing things differently. But now I've got this, you know, a formula, it's an ever evolving formula but it just it just really resonated with me, and that's what it, it all comes down to. It's like Isn't even that great? even now with 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 you know post COVID, which I do have one more question for you on that. It's like yeah, the foundation is the the foundation stays there, but you know you just kind of change what's on it. Sometimes you adjust. You know sometimes you you don't have to knock everything down, but it's what I call regrowth. You clip back the bushes a little bit, or you 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 do knock down part of the house and you rebuild it. It's just part of regrowth. And I'm I'm curious now what what's your approach or what are you, you know, if you've been speaking with with young women through this crisis, what are you seeing now as like the the trends coming out of it, and how are you approaching it? Like, what are the like to me being a being you know discovering your superpower is even more important now than ever before because people have been left on their own. They may have been, you know, they say domestic abuse is up because people are home. There's all, you know, there's so many factors there. So I'm just curious what you've, what you've encountered or what you're seeing and how you're approaching it. Um, well, just the fact that everything's turning to, you know, doing things on zoom and video yeah. and you, you don't have interaction with actual, you need that energy um, between yeah. It's people. tough to get it. Yeah, it is especially if you're in a home where maybe you're already being ignored or whatever, you know, like you already feel isolated and then that just compounds it. So, I mean, I was doing um, home workouts for the kids and sending it to them so they could continue to move. It isn't the same thing, but if you're doing something, it's definitely better than nothing. So just yeah. trying to get them to, to focus on resilience um, you know, there's always going to be something in life and it doesn't have to be, you know, what happened to me or whatever there's always, and COVID is a perfect example. That's going to knock you down or pull you that's back right. and have to be able to figure out how to move forward. So, you know, I'm just focusing on the books and some of the exercises in the workbook and working out, continuing yep. to move. If they can get out and walk, if they have a safe neighborhood, I want them to at least walk. For sure. Um, you know, as soon as we're, when we were able to come back in person, that was like, the clincher to be okay again, but you know, you can still be okay on your own if 
but not be afraid to reach out either. Yeah. You have to be able to uh, reach out to people. Yep. Totally agree. You know, at the beginning, you talked about <clears throat> her accomplishments and running and you listed all of them. Yeah. Can you list them again? Just, yeah. Because I think well, we just kind of skim over that. Yeah. Um, we've got at least, se- I think yeah. you're up to 70 marathons it's, it's, that have been done, triath- it, uh, numerous triathlons. It, and this is what kills me. The, the, two. At, at the time I read it, it was two. Maybe it's more now. But these 50K ultras, yeah. that's really what I'm... Let's put a little like, emphasis yeah. on this. I mean, I'd, I'd love to know about the 50 I want to know about the Great Wall Run. That's what I right. want. How does... What? That was insane, yeah. actually. 50 yeah, are, are very, very difficult. I've only done two. Um, they're usually on trail, so that makes them harder than like yeah. on a road. Yeah. Um, but it's 31 miles, and it's it's no joke. <laughs> that is no. no. But, I mean, no. That that's and think about building that first of all. Well, first of all, and that, that's <laughs> 31 miles. Is that 31 in a row? Are you taking pit stops? What's is that just going? <laughs> It's like the well, I've done five Ironmans, and that's 140.6 miles in a row. Yeah, but you swim 2.4, you bike 112, and then you run 26.2. It is. I've I've done one in Switzerland in the Alps, so it was really cool. It was like being in the Tour de France because they go when you're biking. Yeah. Wow. Well, Liz, I'll have you, I've done, I've done two marathons. I did one at 20 and one at 40 and I'm done. I'm never doing them again. Which ones did you do? I did the Pittsburgh marathon at age 20 cause I went to school there. And then I did the Rochester at age 40 with my oldest brother. And then I'm like, you know, it, it was real easy at 20. It wasn't easy, but it was a lot easier. And then at 40, Holy it was, dude, that's a tough course. Which Pittsburgh one? Marathon's tough. Um, I don't know the Rochester course at yeah. all. I've never done it, but I know Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh is very was rough. It was, yeah. a, it's a lot of hills Silly. and cobblestone streets. It's yeah. really rough. Yeah. Why won't you do one again? Just done. I'm, you know, I, I've, and the other thing I've done several, I mean, I, I can't even count five and 10 K's just, you know, just to do. And I just got to a point where like, why am I paying to do these? I could go do a five and 10 K any day I want. And at the beginning <laughs> of uh, your door and do it for free. Right. And I do like starting when quarantine started, I really just started upping everything and just, you know, I, I ran every day. I ran every day, but 11 days during this whole year. So it's, it was actually a good thing for me to, you know, um, to, uh, you know, focus on my, um, exercise and fitness. So, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. It's funny that you say you're, you were two and done. My husband was one and done. <laughs> I actually met my uh, current, I've been married to my current husband for 20 years yeah. and we met Fantastic. at mile three of the Cleveland marathon. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. He came up to me. He was like, is this your first marathon? Oh, I'm like, boy. Oh my God, what a cheese dick. Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> cheese dick. Listen up, but then guys. I ended up marrying him six months later. Yeah. So there you go. And he never did one ever again. And I was like, I don't know if that's mission good or accomplished. Bad. Like, what I wouldn't have. Time I, did that. <laughs> I would have been like, mission accomplished. I got a great girl. I'm done. Yeah. But did, did he stay with you pace wise or did you blow it? Did you just like take off at that point? No, he, he did. He said he had to stay with me because he wanted to get my, oh my gosh. information. Yeah, because we didn't know each other. Smooth. So. That would have been great if you just took off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Left him in the See dust. Cheese dick. See you later. <laughs> if you want my number, catch up. Bye. And just just to see if he would have been huffing and puffing after you. But that, smooth. That that's Todd and I just being sadistic. Yeah, we're yeah. Oh, uh, he was actually hung over. It was a whole story. But oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. yeah. During his training, he didn't drink for like three months or something like that. But then the night before the race, he got plastered, got up, threw up. Oh what? Showed up for the race anyway. And I was talking to him while we were running and he told me all this. And I'm like, here's the thing you're supposed to do. Go ahead and drink for those three months. But the night before the race, yeah. that's the night you let you don't yeah. drink, you know? And I'm like, what a dummy. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, I'm a dummy because I married him. But no, no it was, it was all not at all. Not <laughs> at all. Kidding. He's um, awesome. This is uh, Liz. This is. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Let's talk just yeah, real quick about the, her new novel, the yeah, book she has. Yeah, yeah, that's what I wanted to ask about. Yeah. It. Just just as we wrap up. Um, yeah. So this this fiction, it's your first fiction, Chameleon Girl. Um, and then what what was the influence? I mean, is this influenced? Would you? I mean, Chameleon Girl makes me think of, it does make me think of you based on what I know from you over the last, you know, 45 <laughs> minutes here. There so are pieces you, of me in there. Yes, I was going to say, so give us the inspiration a little bit there and, and what it's about. 
Um, well, you'll hear it when I tell you a little bit of what it's about. You can tell that there's pieces of me in there, but sure. I think I might be in all of the characters, actually. But um, she's a young woman. She's in her 20s. Her name is Nora, is the main character, and um, she's a firefighter, but she uh, grew up in a less than idyllic um, childhood home uh, with an abusive mother and um, runs away when she's like 10 years old and becomes a ward of the state. So she's um, not only in foster care, but she ends up mm -hmm. aging out of the system and becomes a firefighter. Mm -hmm. um, but she finds solace in her own forms of medicine. And one of her yeah. medications is running. And the other is going to sex clubs. And it's all about needs, not names. So she like will pick people up in bars and she just has a bag of tricks that she uses or doesn't use. And then she leaves without getting their names. And then she feels better for a while. Yeah, so she uses like yeah, sex nice. and running and art as her forms of medication along with therapy. And that all is great for a little while, but um, she's involved in a huge horrific, um, she's not involved in it, but she's called to an accident. Um, involving a baby and she saves the baby's life and it unfortunately shakes loose some repressed memories that start to really turn up the heat in her life and the rest of the book is about her figuring out what's real what's not and how she's going to get through it <laughs> in it. this book will yeah. drop when may May, may 21st may 21st may 21st and then yeah. liz will be back in rochester yep at radio social on June 2nd, and that's from, I think, 5 to 8 p.m., she'll be doing a book signing there, and uh, you can go. And hopefully we can maybe have Liz in studio live. I oh, that know. would be cool. Ooh, that would be, be very fun. cool to do that would you? For, your, for your book signing and everything. I would love to. While yeah. I'm there, I think I might be doing, um, also, I'm tying in some Girls with Soul work while I'm there with the Children's um, Center. Oh, good for you. Uh, Great. Yeah. yeah nice. So I think I might be doing like a workshop or something with the kids there with the girls. So, I, I mean, I have other things that I, I'll be like, okay, planning while I'm in town. I haven't been back in Rochester in a long time. And well, like we won't I, take I mean, up all your time, but town, maybe we just to. do a I don't know. We'll do a quick update. We can have you in. We'll be talking about the book. We'll be I'll be at the book signing. Todd's yeah. works Ooh. right next door. Yeah, I'm right next door. So that'll be great. Really? Yeah. Oh, at the I'm comedy so club. excited. Yeah. I would love that. Yeah. That so, would be yeah. awesome. I would love that. So yeah, if people in Rochester, the book too, yeah, so they can come we'll meet you. Uh, the, the book will be for sale there as well as I take it. You can buy the book and yeah. Yeah, yeah, that'll be great. So that'll be a lot of fun if people in Rochester come out. I love it. I love it. Get inspired. It get inspired. If you feel like a schlub, come get inspired. Come get inspired. <laughs> yeah. And if you're feeling a little extra wealthy, you can always loosen up some dollars and go to, I believe it's girlswithsoul.org mm -hmm. and you can make a donation. Yeah. And I think yeah. that would be a very, yeah, be very be nice. Don't be a cheese yeah. dick. Just, that would be a very fine thing to yeah. do. Yeah. Don't be a cheese dick and just yeah, donate. Don't be a cheese dick. Donate to yeah. Girls of Soul. That's my I new will. favorite. I, I love that. I will be making a donation this afternoon. Yeah. And I mean that. I'm not just, I'm not giving you the, I'm not giving you the Hollywood thing. Like, oh, oh yeah, a, yeah. Don't a, worry, honey. I'll make a donation. I could tell. Yeah. I'm not giving you the LA thing. No, girlswithsoul.org. Uh, no, he will. There will be a donation made He'll today. Do but he Absolutely. uses the name uh, Georgie Sparkles. Right. You'll see it under Georgie <laughs> Sparkles. <laughs> I like and, that name. <laughs> thank you, Liz. Name. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, I think it's time to wrap it up. We've, Thanks, Liz. We've been speaking with Liz Farrow, mom, motivational speaker, Author of two books and this soon-to-be first not uh, first fiction Chameleon Girl due May twenty-first, and as we just said, she'll be at Radio Social signing those books on June second, and uh, hopefully she'll be back on our podcast. Hopefully, she said she would. Podcast. Well, She's not. Okay. Hopefully, that's the same that's thing. Right. Maybe I will. That no, no, yeah. that's right. Liz made a commitment. She committed. We have Liz audio. made a commitment. We yeah. have audio. We have proof. So Liz will be back to talk about the book in greater depth, and uh, hopefully, we can talk about some of the workshops you're going to be doing in town, and um, anything else that God knows what will be happening yep. at that time. Maybe she'll go for a three mile run with us. But um, can you yeah. handle three miles, Liz? Let's do it. I yeah. think I can do yeah. that. <laughs> She'll be done before we get started. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so we'll be like, yeah, we just stopped for breakfast. Like, oh, I'm, I'm, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Liz, honestly, though. Yeah. Thanks, Liz. Inspiring. Thank you so much for your time today. And uh, I just don't know how anybody can't learn something from the story you just told right. about yourself. Congratulations on everything. And thanks for sticking with it, because there are lots of young women out there that wouldn't be with their, they, where they are today um, without your dedication. So thanks so much for staying the course and realizing that uh, you matter and you have value because you certainly do. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Liz. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Liz. So when Marjorie Goldstein came to me and said, oh, I have a a great guest for your show. And, you know, she gave me, she had two of her books. She let me borrow the books. And, you know, I went through the books. She got them signed. It was pretty cool. I know. They're signed. And, uh, you know, do you know Marjorie? Have you met Marjorie? Not in person. Great person. You know, 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 very helpful, very involved in things. And, uh just, just a, a great overall person. So you'll meet her soon. And, yeah. uh, you know, she said you'd love to have her as a guest and it, she proved us right. Yep. Yeah. She did prove us right. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it, it just what, what Liz has done, what she's gone through and where, where she's come out yeah. and the other side, I, I don't know many people that would have the wherewithal to do it on their own. Mm-hmm. You could argue, yeah, there was some therapy and stuff in there like that, but but there's so many people I know that that have that have gotten through it, but they've gotten through it whether it's with a therapist, a coach, with, yeah. You know, it's 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 very rare that you find somebody that 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 creates a world from themselves to heal, shield and 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 regrow, regrow mm-hmm. literally regrowth because she she wasn't going to be that person that that she was turning into and it right. wasn't her fault that she was turning into that person. She literally found a world where she could be successful. She could get positive energy from, she could, you know, try, you know, it's always going to be there, but you know, like she said, nothing's a cure all, but there was a way that she could cure herself to, to get out on the other side. And, and she and, did it. And yeah. to me, it, I mean, if, if more people could do that, think about how much better the world would be. It would be seriously. And I, I don't mean that, you know, I know that sounds kind of florid, but it's, yeah. it's the truth. But she it's actually, I mean, she unleashed her inner superhero. Yep. Just like she says. Yep. So. Which I'm a huge fan of. Yeah. So incredible right. guest yep. again. Love say it. goodbye, George. I will say goodbye, George. <laughs>